the transformed mind. What, what does that look like? We've been talking about the mind of Christ and about the darkened mind. And, and what does it look like to have a transformed mind, a renewed mind? The key expression out of uh, one of the scripture verses we've been focusing on, Romans 12, 2, be transformed, be metamorphosized, be, be morphed into something new by the renewing of your mind, uh, thinking God's thoughts. Let me digress for a moment to the people of Israel, which are our example uh, to so many things, and including this. You know, Israel had received a promise of blessing. It started long before Israel existed. You know, when God called Abraham, who was living in what is modern-day Iraq, southern Iraq, actually. And God said to him, I will bless you. I'll multiply you. And so God took Abraham to a land that we call the promised land, where Israel is today. And then God said, in that land, there's going to be somebody born, the seed of Abraham. And the seed of Abraham was not a mere nationality of people. The seed of Abraham is Jesus Christ, according to the book of Galatians chapter 3. And through Jesus, through Abraham, coming to the, to the land where the seed, Jesus Christ, would be born, the whole world would be blessed. And so the word blessed is a word we like to use, and I, I would say blessing is the presence and power of God in your life. So when God says, I will bless you, it means my, my presence, my power is with you. Another way to define blessing is blessing is Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ, he, he includes everything that we mean when we say being blessed. And, and that has a lot to do with the mind of Christ. You could say a blessed life is to live with the mind of Christ. Now, back to Israel. So Abraham had gotten to what we call the promised land. But then a huge problem arose. Israel became slaves in Egypt, subjects of Pharaoh. It was very cruel. And so living there for almost 400 years, the longing again arose to go back to the promised land. And the promised land for us is not a physical piece of geography. It is a metaphor for a spiritual journey. You could say that Israel and Egypt, their minds were darkened with defeat and despair, uh, but, but now they were going to repossess their promises. They were going to need to do that to have a renewed mind. And, and, and the promised land here to us today means a place where we rest in God's love, where God's promises are fulfilled in our life, and so for Israel and for us, there's a test here to be renewed in your mind. That's how the transformation happened. And for Israel and for us, maybe it means to, to see yourself blessed in spite of negative circumstances. You know, I imagine Israel for 300 plus years had been in Egypt reciting God's plan and God's promises that God had something better for them. And then they came out into the wilderness. They were delivered from Egypt. There were many miracles, you know, the plagues, the Red Sea, the manna from heaven. God brought water out of a rock. So they had a lot of good, good times, and God spoke to them. God gave them promises. Let, let me illustrate just one of them here from the book of Leviticus. I read selectively. God said, I will give you peace. 
and you will be able to lie down and nobody will make you afraid. You will chase your enemies. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of, uh, that, that, uh, out of Egypt that you should not be slaves anymore. I mean, that's a pretty good all-encompassing promise. But, but the question is this, and the question for us is all the promises, all the good preaching that you hear Pastor Nathan and I do, and all the good teaching, and for Israel in their case, did it do them any good? Because when they came up against the border of the promised land, their mind was tested. And the story is told, and I, and I summarize it, there were 12 spies who went for approximately six weeks into the promised land. Ten of the spies, we don't even remember their names, they represent a darkened, unrenewed mind. And then there were two other spies, Joshua and Caleb, and they represent uh, the, the mind of Christ. You understand, metaphorically. But for the other ten, uh, and for the people as a whole, they rejected what Joshua and Caleb said. They they. they, they despise God's blessing, uh, the miracles, all the promises they had received. And why? Well, the book of Hebrews chapter 4 summarizes it. It says, they didn't mix what they heard and experienced with faith. In other words, their mind was not renewed to think along the lines of faith. Now, now let's just recap for a moment. I talked about this many sessions ago now. Uh, but, but let me recap it. The anatomy of an unrenewed, darkened mind. What, what were these people thinking so negatively? First of all, they visualized defeat. <laughs> you know, they, they, they kind of, their fantasy life was very active. And they visualized themselves defeated. They say, we are like grasshoppers. You know, I, I, this illustration is very powerful to me because I used to live in a house where I had a little tiny, but yet a riding lawnmower. And so I, th this verse came alive to me, or this statement, we are like grasshoppers, which is what the Israelites said of themselves. As every week when I was mowed the lawn, there was lots of grasshoppers. And, and when I came close, I couldn't see them, but suddenly I saw these little critters jumping away from the lawnmower. It, it, it struck me, they were so apologetic. They were like saying, excuse me, we were in your way. We forgot this was the day of the week where you cut your grass, where you mow the grass. And, and so the Israelites saw themselves insignificant, apologetic. They, they kind of, they, they didn't really think much of the blessing God had promised. In fact, if we want to be real truthful, they call God a liar. They say, oh, that, all that thing that God said. No, we're, we're just grasshoppers. We're victims. So that's a part of it. And then, Birds of a feather flock together. We see that. Joshua and Caleb, they hung together. And the other 10 spies with all the people, about 3 million strong, they hung together. You know, people who, who have negative attitudes, they don't like positive people. In fact, faith irritates doubt. You know, Jesus Christ was constantly kind of in contrast to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, faith and unbelief, negativity, just don't go along. You may find that, uh, that people who have a negative attitude, if you say something positive, 
You say, but, but God is able. They're like, oh, you're ruining the nice atmosphere here in our negative conversation. Well, that's what you see among the Israelites. They made a vigorous defense of unbelief. I mean, they had a thousand explanations and justifications. Yeah, yeah, God said that, but, but. And they embellished the negative. We talked about that, how they said, the people are giants. The walls of their cities reach to heaven. The land devours its inhabitants. You know, there's a tendency when an unrenewed mind is expressing itself, that there's a, there's a constant exaggeration of the negative. If you meet people who have this kind of negative, unrenewed mindset, don't get upset, you know. What are they going to do if their mind is still darkened? Instead, share the gospel. Instead of saying, oh, you're thinking so negative. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Don't tell them that. Start sharing what God has done. Start sharing who Jesus Christ is. And of course, then, and other characteristics of this darkened mindset, it leads to an incorrect assessment. So after the 10 spies had shared their negative view and the two spies, their positive, <laughs> how are they going to solve this? So some of them suggested, let's stone the two positive ones. Of course, they didn't go through with it, thankfully. But, but you see how they, 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 they thought the two people who spoke positively, that they were the problem. Some people act like that. When there's a darkened mind, they think that people who speak faith, oh, there's something wrong with them. You know, they, they are outrageous somehow. And another th characteristic, the environment was altered. It says the people cried all night. Can you see the, the body language, the sagging shoulders, the negative atmosphere? They limited the present and destroyed the future because ultimately those people died. They never did get to enjoy the blessing of a renewed mind. So enough about that. I just wanted to recap it. So you see how sad that negative road is. Let's look now at the anatomy of a renewed mind. And let's Joshua and Caleb represent it for us. In Numbers chapter 30 and verse 30, they said, 13 and 30, it says, let us go up and once and possess the land for we are well able. In the next chapter, they say, it's an exceeding good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, nor be afraid of the people, for they are bread to us. Someone said they're toast to us. Their defenses are gone. The Lord is with us. Don't fear. So, so what characterizes this renewed mind? First of all, personal faith. Now, now, faith is not faith in our faith. Faith is not talking about how much faith we have. Faith is reliance on what God's grace has provided. You could say that faith is also a force. It energizes us to achieve, to accomplish, to, to, to get to where we're going. But again, it's not like just because you're exercising faith doesn't mean that you talk about faith all the time. So, so you say, well, so-and-so talks about faith all the time. They must have a lot of faith. Not necessarily. For example, I use my eyes all the time. I'm using my eyes right now. I'm looking into the camera lens. 
but it doesn't mean that I'm conscious of my eyes. In fact, I haven't been conscious of my eyes all days until this moment when I thought of as an illustration. I have been using my eyes, looking into that camera lens, but I haven't been thinking, oh, I need to use my eyes. I need to focus on making sure my eyes are active. My eyes. No, no. Faith is the same way. Faith is not something you go around thinking about. Oh, I got to use my faith. No, faith is very natural. You see, I say it like this. To have faith is not to be conscious of faith, but be conscious of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. To have faith is not to walk around in a continual consciousness of faith, but it's a consciousness of how great Jesus Christ is. Great faith. What is it? It's to have a great Jesus. Maybe you read my book on that subject. Another expression here from these who represent a renewed mind. Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. I like that. Instead of saying, we need more, we need more. You know, some people, they never have enough. If we say, let's do this. Well, we're not ready yet. It seems like it's never the right time. And they said, let's go up at once. The key word is now. There's a now principle. (laughs) Instead of making excuses and coming up with reasons for delays, there is something that says, now faith is. Go in this your might delays, excuses, everything is in the future. No, now faith is. Use what you have now. That's how it will be multiplied to do even more in the future. Then they said, the Lord delights in us. Well, we know better than Joshua and Caleb how much the Lord delights in us. Versus saying, well, you know, the Lord is not quite happy with us. Oh, there's always, some people are so introverted. There's always this, oh, let me tell you what the Lord is doing in me. And then they tell about something and then you meet them a month later and and they say, oh, yes, the Lord is showing me there's still more in me. Oh, there's so much that needs to be dealt with. They never get through with themselves. I say, aren't you tired of yourself? I get tired of Peter Youngren, but I'm never tired of Jesus Christ in Peter Youngren. (laughs) It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm never tired of the Christ in me. And and so I'm saying the Lord is delighting in you. See that? Then uh, these two, Joshua and Caleb, they saw problems in their proper perspective. It wasn't that they were oblivious to problems. It wasn't like they're saying, oh, there's, there's nothing here. No, they said it, it's a good land and there's some resistance. There's going to be some obstacles, but uh, all things considered, we've been weighing the whole thing and we're going to go forward now. That's what we want. Go forward now. And eventually, many years later, they got to enter the promised land. So, so faith is not living in denial of just using cliches. Oh, everything is okay. How are you? Blessed. God is good all the time. You know, people can say that and and their whole inner person is filled with anxiety and fear and and they feel, no, you you, you can face the problem. But if you face the problem, you look that problem square in the eye and then you still say, but God's goodness is better. Then then the word become meaningful. And, and, And then they say, just don't fear. Just don't. Fear has no place. And, and of course, in the story of Israel, 
entering the promised land, later on the truth is really revealed because what happens when they actually do enter the land, some 40 years later, almost 40 years later, they found out that all the time the enemy had been frightened of them. And, and the people who they thought were giants, they thought the people of Israel were giants, you see? So they found out that they had made a wrong assessment. So, so let's take this, and I want to break it down to some personal areas. We've been talking about the mind of Christ, and I'm talking today about the transformed mind. What does it mean? So let me pose some situations that we might all encounter. First of all, the mind of Christ in times of financial struggles. Now, I suppose unless you were born into some very, very special family where money is not a concern, you belong to some, you inherited some great wealth, everybody faces financial struggles. And what we are advocating here is not, again, cliches. You know, sometimes people can be facing troubles and they say, well, I just, there's no recession in God's kingdom. And there could be pay cuts and the workplace could be shutting down. And they kind of take this ostrich burying its head in the sand approach and say, hey, you know, God's everything worked out. No, you see, they, they, we're not talking about that the renewed mind is being full of hallelujah, praise the Lord, and statements. Now, those are beautiful words. Don't misunderstand me, but we're not talking like that. We're talking about that God's wisdom, the mind of Christ, gives us ingenuity, wisdom, creativity, honesty. We can honestly assess the situation. We're willing to be accountable. So, so we don't become these cliche people who go to church and just say things we think we're supposed to say. No, we, we really assess the situation. And we say, there's some financial struggles. Uh, I, I'm not so out of touch. I don't know what's going on. And my factory or my place of employment is facing some challenges. So what would be good, a good way to think? How would the mind of Christ affect it? Well, one of my favorite scriptures that I like to make personal is Psalm 35, verse 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Isn't that the very opposite of what you thought you would do when things are looking negative? And it says, the ones who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. In other words, let God look even bigger to me, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That's a that's something to chew on. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. You may, you may want to look at that twice or three times. God, say it out loud. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. And, and prosperity could be defined different ways. I say uh, to, to, to be prosperous is to be the person God intended you to be, to have what God intended you to do, and to be able to do what God intended you to do. Uh, it's living in the all-sufficiency of your God. Uh, you know, so I want to ask you, do you want to give pleasure to God? Well, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You know, when we give, we talk about giving. We don't look at it as a burden. We give. Many people around the world are helping us to, uh, through World Impact Ministries, reach out to the world. The Toronto Celebration Church in the, in, in the local church setting is, is reaching out here, but also around the world and has doubled this year. And, and so a good way to approach that is not to say, oh, you know, we, we're just trying to do more. No, we say, let the 
God be magnified. God is so awesome. Come on, Toronto Celebration Church. Come on, friends around the world who support World Impact Ministries. Say, I'm doing what I do because God is so awesome. You're not destined to be broke. You're not destined to the one who's, who's supposed to be just in debt and, and not have a proper car to drive. And you think all the crooks in the world, they're going to have all the money. That's not what God intended at all. I, I just believe for you. I speak for you. I want a good house. I want a good car. I want you debt free. Uh, you are the one that God delights in, your prosperity. And, and another verse that I apply in this that helps me so much is Deuteronomy 8:18. 8, Remember the Lord, for he gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. It's so helpful if you really look at what it says there. God gives power to get wealth. See, sometimes we want God to give us wealth. So, oh God, yes, God, I need a financial breakthrough. And we want someone, maybe a bird, to fly to our windowsill with, with, with $1,000 bills in the beak, and you reach out your hand and grab it. <laughs> well, of course, God has many ways to meet needs. I know that. But God gives you power. He gives you the ingenuity. He gives you the wisdom to get wealth. And then it said here, God gives wealth to establish his covenant. So it's, yes, God wants you to have enough to take care of yourself and your own and, and to be a good person. But then God wants to establish his covenant. And his covenant today is the gospel covenant that God so loved the world that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, that everyone would be saved. So I would say when you're facing financial struggles, how does the mind of Christ work? Well, you look at these scriptures and then fellowship with godly people who, who are thinking in terms of success and advancement. There was an expression that used to be used, and some people maybe went a little crazy on it. They used to say, we're king's kids. And the idea was we don't have this poverty mentality. So I say, open your mind. Maybe you say, I don't know much about this. Well, study, learn, learn what is a financial statement, learn to negotiate. And when you read books, don't just read books that says, oh, God wants to bless you with money. No, study fundamentals, learn. Hard. You have a mind, you have a good mind. Use it. And then you combine that with the mind of Christ, something powerful. What about health? The mind of Christ and health. You know, a study years ago came out and which suggested, and I think others have confirmed it, that maybe up to 80% of people who are sick, it is rooted in a psychosomatic disorder. In other words, they, you can think so much that you're sick that it re releases hormonal effects in your body. And we talk a lot about healing. Pastor Nathan talks about it. I talk about it. We love to talk about healing. Jesus heals. One scripture verse, if you're facing financial or, or health challenges, I would advise Psalm 103, where it says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like David is talking to his soul. Come on, soul. Come on, mind and will and emotions. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? That comes first. That's beautiful. Your sins have been put away. And then he says, who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? We don't believe in destruction. The Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We could talk about the eagle, how it's renewed. Youth, youthfulness, years being added to you. Now, that doesn't mean that we live in fear of death, 
This is not some death phobia, some fear that we have. No, no. So one day we're going to die. We're all going to die. We're going to be in the presence of God. But in the meantime, until you die, we're going to live. And we're going to live for God. And we're not afraid of dying. Hades, which is the uh, place of the departed spirit, was, was thrashed by Jesus after he died on the cross. He, he took the keys to death and hate it. So we have nothing to fear there. But in the meanwhile, till we go to be with God, we're going to live in victory. The, the, let me say something about the mind of Christ and education. I quoted this several sessions ago, Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. There are many, there are many parts of your mind. <laughs> you know, don't waste the mind you've heard. And some Christians, sadly, almost think it's a blessing to be ignorant. They say, oh, I just rely on the anointing. I... Well, you know, anointed ignorance is still ignorance. So, so don't be ignorant. Learn. Develop your mind. Pay attention. Well, when we are in church, Sunday service, try to get close to the front so nothing can distract you. Take courses. Go to night school. If, if you're interested in music, Enroll in something. Be realistic about it. Just because you enrolled in a music class now, uh, you're not going to be, be playing uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony by Christmas. But, but you, you will maybe get to where you can play it. Study. I like to study all kinds of things. Somebody said to me recently, well, what are you studying? And uh, I suppose they thought I was going to say I'm studying some book in the Bible. Oh, I study the Bible all the time. I spent my whole life studying the Bible. But, but uh, uh, realizing I have the mind of Christ, I feel like uh, there's so many things I want to know. Archaeology, economics, so many things, history. I want to understand life better. So, so think that way. That's the mind of Christ. You know, everything belongs to you, Paul said. Things to come, things past, things present, things to come. Then the mind of Christ in relationships. Let me talk, say a word to single people. If you're single and want to get married. Now, maybe you're single and don't want to get married. Well, that's okay, too. That's a, that's a blessing according to the Bible. But if you're single and want to get married, it says in Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So don't just sit at home and, and, and just kind of mooch and, 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 and be miserable. You've got to find her. It says in Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. Remember, finding a wife, he said it was a finding a good thing. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And walking uprightly by the New Testament definition is to walk according to the gospel. So think like that. Don't have a negative attitude. If you walk around saying, if you are single now, you want to get married, say, oh, I'm never going to get married. Well, you probably won't. No, instead, immerse yourself in your new identity in Christ. Here we go again. You're a king's kid. Dress nice, smell nice, be nice. Ladies, don't go around saying men are jerks because the good one will run from you. No good out there. Meet people. That's why we need to be in church on Sundays. We need to meet. We need to, you know, the best prospects are Sunday morning. And, and well, anyhow, I, I got to move on here. What about the mind of Christ and family? What, what is a godly spiritual thinking about that? Well, here's something. Exodus 20 and verse 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long. That's a wonderful thing. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything, uh, your mother and father. It doesn't mean you can't be your own person, but you honor and respect them. 
Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, it's so easy to be angry and hurt and vindictive and feel like people in the family mistreated you, and maybe they did. But you can still uh, have the, the mind of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit. You can still talk to people. Maybe you don't have to talk to them every day, but you can talk once a month, once a week. You don't have to overcommit, but you start. You know, even Jesus had friends. He, he had different circles. He had three, and he had 12, and he had the 70, and the 500, and then the whole world. So, so you can be the same. And, and so believe God for the mind of Christ. Then the mind of time, Christ in the times of distress, when you feel hopeless, when you feel like you're in a spiral of purposeness, less, purposelessness. I'm trying to hurry here. You feel hopeless. Think about Isaiah 61.3, that, that Jesus has come to console those who mourn, to give beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then it says in another psalm, you, O Lord, are a shield to me and the one who lifts my head. You see, when you're depressed, your head hangs down. And think about that. God lifts my head. You know, even when you lift your head up and say, oh, God is good. Christ is in me. Then finally, I'm rushing the mind of Christ in Christian ministry. You know, sometimes you can be working for the Lord and you still feel disappointments and you feel ashamed and you feel failure and you feel like you could have done better and you wonder, is it worth it all? That can happen to anybody. People look at me and say, oh, Peter, you've had such great success and we've seen millions and millions come to the Lord. But, you know, anybody can get attacked. One of my favorite verses to operate in the mind of Christ is Acts 26, 16, where Jesus says to Paul, rise and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness. And I said, Jesus, I think you're talking to me. I'm going to stand up. I'm not going to be slouching down. I am a minister and a witness to Jesus Christ. So there are many ways by using the scripture like this that you can practice the mind of Christ. You apply it to your situation, knowing that your life is going to make a difference. You're going to be a, you have a purpose. You're going to be a witness of God's love. It's beautiful. Well, I have so much to tell you, but I must say this, and then I'm going to turn over to Pastor Nathan. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my great privilege and honor to invite you today to receive the new life in Christ. If any person is born again, that person can see God's kingdom. Without spiritual birth, we, this all sounds vague and kind of out there for us. Even what I'm teaching sounds like it's kind of out there. I don't get it. But once we are born spiritually, we can see it.